Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and Talk Sport's Alex Crook after a dramatic final day in the Premier League. Stumbler 2, Chelsea 0. Gareth Bale! Oh no! Leicester City have thrown away the chance to finish in the top four of English football. We've got all the fallout from the whole of the season and despite the disappointment of falling out of the top four again, credit should be given to Brendan Rodgers, says Darren Lewis. You can't be too harsh on Leicester. They've won the FA Cup, they finish in a European place. It's hard really to have a go at them. He's moved the club on and that's where you've got to give Brendan Rodgers credit. Plus a podcast full of facts, as Rafa would say, who's getting on and off the managerial merry-go-round. We look back at our highlights from the oddest season in history and producer Lucy tests our recollections, all on the ultimate review of the entire Premier League season. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. A big hello to Darren Lewis and to Alex Crook. What a final day it was. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Dramatic. I was at uh, Leicester and although ultimately it ended in defeat for the Foxes, it was the place to be, I think. Uh, They were playing in front of fans at the King Power for the first time since March 2020. Uh, They were in, they were out, they were in again, they were out again. Tottenham were finishing eighth below Arsenal at one stage. It was it was a great afternoon. And then Bale came on, completely changed the game. Oh, and Kane won the golden boot. It was a privilege to be there. Where did you spend your final day, Darren? I was at West Ham to see uh, David Moyes complete the fairy tale, really, uh, taking them from relegation last season and the place where they spend most of their seasons, the relegation zone or just above it to Europe and the group stages of the Europa League. A fantastic achievement on in relation to the bigger clubs, a shoestring budget and a reason why he is very much one of the two main candidates for manager of the year. And Crook, you were on Wolves Manchester United duty, I think, yesterday. And the team with the second youngest average 11 for the season had a few new young heroes, didn't they? As they warmed up for Europa League glory. I did Chelsea. I got switched. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I was, was going to let you wax lyrical about your team. But you did Chelsea, did you? Yeah. How was that? Um, well, like you really, it looked at one stage as if that would be the big story, uh, Chelsea missing out. They were poor, actually. Um, plenty of possession, plenty of shots, but most of them tamely into the arms of Emmy Martinez. And I think it's a big concern for the Champions League final. If they play like that against Manchester City, not only will they get beat, they'll get heavily beaten. And... Again, a lot of Chelsea fans not happy calling Darren Bent's boot room some very animated on Sunday night, asking where Tammy Abraham is, why Olivier Giroud wasn't brought on when they were chasing a goal. Strange decisions from Thomas Tuchel. And in the end, they've snuck into the top four more by luck than judgment, certainly when it comes to the final day. Uh, We're going to talk about it in uh, detail as we go through our top four in just a second. I do have a statistic on exactly that. Over the course of the season, if you look at I mean, I know look, you, you two aren't exactly in for expected goals, but I think you will like this particular stat. Jorginho was Chelsea's top scorer this season in the Premier League with seven goals, but they were all penalties. Um, Tammy Abraham and Timo Werner were joint second with six goals. Tammy Abraham, who did score six goals, expected goals were 6.2. Timo Werner's six goals came from an expected goals of 12. <laughs> wow. Well, well, that paints quite the picture, doesn't it? And, of course, the other issue for Timo Werner, not only does he miss chances, he has a very annoying habit of finding himself in an offside position. That's just... That's Every just, just five poor. seconds. Just poor, poor timing of the run. Well, it's going to be a cracking Champions League final if you're a Manchester City fan. Right, let's talk top four.
Crystal Palace nil, and the Reds take a significant stride forwards towards a top four finish. The home fans suck this one in at the Anfield Road end. Sadio Mane from yards out. The has gone to Aston Villa. Sends the keeper the wrong way. El Ghazi has scored and doubled the trouble for Chelsea at Villa Park. It's Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 0. Liverpool 2, Crystal Palace 0 and Liverpool may well have secured all three points with that goal and with it a top four finish Sadio Mane is the man with the second goal of the game it's aimed towards the far post, Schmeichel is down there's a bit of a mishap and it's in and all of a sudden Leicester City are dropping out of the top four again oh, very proud of that Abs- uh, absolutely uh, delighted for the boys and uh, especially today you know that uh, we knew we'd make in all these changes. You do risk uh, risk a result that you don't really uh, want, but uh, they've played and they've done everyone else proud. Now Jake Tindall walks over. He hands the trophy to Fernandinho. Fernandinho lifts it to the skies. The pyrotechnics explode into the grey Manchester skies. Flames shooting into the air. All the City team bounce on the platform. Fernandinho with the trophy aloft. Manchester City for the fifth time have the Premier League in their grasp. So despite Liverpool's 7-2 thrashing at Villa, Chelsea paying out more in divorce settlements than Bill Gates, and City starting the season with Pep's worst beginning to a campaign ever since being a manager, the top four that will be rocking all over the world next season has the look of status quo about it. Uh, Despite spending more days in the top four than any other Premier League side, this season, 242, Leicester managed to finish a 13th day, an unlucky 13th day, outside of the Champions League qualification places. It just happened to be on the last day of the season. They finished fifth as a result. What happened to the West Ham and Leicester gate-crushing the big boys' party? Darren? The pressure got to them. And it's really sad that it did because they were in a really, really good position. They led twice. Chelsea ultimately lost. They had it in their own hands. They can't blame anybody else but themselves for what happened. Now, I maintain, as I did last week, that the progress they've made this season means that you can't be too harsh on Leicester. They've won the FA Cup. They finish in a European place. It's hard, really, to have a go at them. Some people will insist on their right to derive Leicester because it's two years now that they've been in the Champions League and two years that they've finished outside it. He's moved the club on. And that's where you've got to give Brendan Rodgers credit. Yeah, I think you're right. I spoke to Brendan uh, last night and I uh, spoke to him after the FA Cup final. He, he actually he had to come out with the FA Cup in his hands after the game had finished and they'd not made it into the top four and sort of parade it around the stadium. A very good thing to do because it's important that the fans that didn't get to go last week and that were in the stadium yesterday for the first time since March 2020 had the opportunity to come in and see that magnificent achievement, the first time in 137 years that they won the FA Cup. So it needed to be celebrated, but you could just tell he was quite uncomfortable about doing it. And I said to him afterwards, was that a difficult thing to do? And he said, you know what? It was actually, yeah. Yeah, you can understand that. I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think the optimistic Leicester fans, that the glasses half full Leicester fans, will say we've had a fantastic season. We finished fifth. We've won the FA Cup, as you say, for the first time in our long history. I think most of them would have taken that at the start of the season but the pessimistic Leicester fans the glass is half empty Foxes supporters will say we've blown it again when it comes to the top four because effectively due to Chelsea's results against Aston Villa their destiny was for a long time in their own hands on the final day mm. and they well, it couldn't was in their own hands. and they couldn't take it. it Yeah, they would be in the top four today and they couldn't take that opportunity and I think that will haunt Brendan Rodgers because this was not a Tottenham side who were arriving in any kind of form, they've got their own issues on and off the pitch. It was there for Leicester. And like last season, they've not quite been able to see the job through. And that will be painful. Not only was it there for them, it was there for them twice. They were winning 1-0 and 2-1 in the game and conspired to lose 4-2 against the Tottenham side, let's be honest, in the first half. They were absolutely abysmal. It was only in the second half that they got better. In fact, it was only when they brought on Gareth Bale um, that they actually turned the tide in the match and the game opened up a little bit because Leicester knew that they needed to go and score goals and therefore it was a little bit more open 
at the back. Um, Brendan Rodgers was the subject of back page rumours on Friday, suggesting that he is Daniel Levy's top target for the Spurs job. I asked him about that last night. This is what he said. Yeah, yeah, 200%. I absolutely love it here. Tottenham is a club that, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest clubs in Europe. It's a fantastic club. The stadium's amazing. They've got great players. And, uh, and obviously they'll be looking for a manager in the, uh, in the summer. Uh, but for me, I absolutely love it here. You know, we're in the middle of a project that we're two and a half years in. Uh, all I'm interested in now is going away, reflecting on the game, having a break, to recover. It's been an intense couple of seasons of football and, uh, and preparation. And, uh, and then ready to get our plan in place again for next season and come back and ready to fight again and, and challenge the elite of the league. So he says he's in the middle of a project. What, what's the ultimate ambition? What can he do, Darren? Get into get into the Champions League. That will be... Listen, he's failed twice, so he'll want to do it again. People say, well, hang on a minute, they bowled it twice. But then if you look at Manchester City, Pep Guardiola's brought in to win the Champions League. And he too has failed on a number of occasions to, to fulfil that objective. So... I think as far as Leicester is concerned, you've got to cut them some slack. Rogers has won silverware. That actually... It's Leicester. I, see, I don't go necessarily with that. It's Leicester because I think... Well, it is Leicester. I mean, ultimately, they're not one of the established elite. If you look at how long it's taken Chelsea, Manchester City, Tottenham, yes, Arsenal to, to establish themselves as proper, bona fide, non-stop top six contenders. Leicester have only started that in the last few years. So it's taken a little bit. They're building something. They're not at the end of a journey. They're very much at the start of it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think as far as Brendan Rodgers is concerned, you look at the players that have lost, first of all, Chilwell, Maguire, Mares, Canty, Drinkwater, so many quality players. So and many injuries as well. So many injuries. You think about the players they've brought in, Soyuncu, Fofana, the, uh, James Justin at, at, at fullback, uh, Luke Thomas, the, the, the wonderful players that they've nurtured and enabled to find themselves. And you realise that Leicester will be back. Absolutely, they'll be back and he'll be supported. And that is a big reason, I think, why he doesn't want to go Spurs because he won't be under pressure if things don't go his way as he would have been in exactly this position as Spurs boss. He'll be given the time. What does it say, though, about the competitiveness of the Premier League, Crook, that even in a season ripped apart by a pandemic, unsettled by no fans, injuries galore, that the big boys still rise to the top? I think it shows there's still a chasm. And actually, I wouldn't look at the, the teams who finish in the top four as evidence of that. I'd look at Arsenal, for example, who I think we can all agree have had a pretty miserable, dreadful campaign. Mm. Didn't actually finish that many points outside the Champions League places. Um, Tottenham have had all kinds of problems in the second half of the season and still managed uh, to qualify for Europe. If you compare those two clubs to Everton, who spent, what, £500 million since the new owners came in. They've got Carlo Ancelotti on one of the most competitive salaries in the Premier League. They finished 10th. Yeah. They, they finished we'll below to... Tottenham, below Arsenal. So I think I think it's still a little bit of a close shop. Leicester are, are trying to force their way into that. I think from a West Ham perspective, it will be difficult for them to sustain it next season with the extra games that come with the Europa League. So I think if we're talking a year's time, the top four will probably look very similar to how it is now. How many questions will be asked about Chelsea, do you think, uh, Darren? Thomas Tuchel was the first manager in Premier League history to oversee a clean sheet in each of his first five home games in charge. But they seem to me to have hit a wall at just the wrong time. Yep, they did. And he was very, very fortunate to get out of jail yesterday, uh, on Sunday, if you're not listening to this on, on Monday morning. Well, he um, didn't get out of jail. <laughs> Tottenham got him out of jail, didn't they? They right. bailed him out. Gareth yeah. bailed boom, boom, him out. Ching. It mounts to the same thing. You know, the the, the the door was left open for him to to basically walk out of jail, if you like. I think as far as, it was quite funny actually on Sunday afternoon because there were people, Spurs fans, uh, sorry, Chelsea fans saying, do we have to cheer on Tottenham now? <laughs> <laughs> and I think one or two of them secretly did, even though they'll never admit to it. Um, I think as far as Chelsea are concerned, there are big problems that are going to have to be solved. Do you know what I think? And I don't know what you two think. I think Chelsea are going to give Harry Kane a decision to make. I really do. Because he is the way that they solve their problem. I think if Chelsea do put the money down, 
all they'll do is effectively drive up the asking price. I mean, we've spoken about this on the podcast, Sam. I know you've got strong views. I don't see a scenario where Harry Kane leaves Tottenham for Chelsea. You know, his relationship with the Spurs fans is is too valuable to him. But if they do put down £140 million, then that throws down the gauntlet, doesn't it, to the two Manchester clubs to try and match it. Well, Manchester United, as I mentioned earlier, have got a very young team. They probably could do with Harry Kane. They became just the fourth side in English top flight history to remain unbeaten away from home across the entire league campaign. They were worthy of the second best team in the Premier League tag, were they? Yeah, you, you finish where you deserve to finish. You know, I think they benefited from some clubs underperforming. Um, Liverpool, obviously, uh, with their injury problems. Um, Chelsea under Frank Lampard. And then we've mentioned the two North London clubs, North London, the capital of mediocrity, as I like to call it. Um, so, yeah, listen, congratulations to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, ending the whole season unbeaten away from home, despite the fact that he put the B team out against Wolves. That probably says more about where Wolves are at this moment in time than it does about Manchester United. And we should touch on the departure of Nuno Espirito Santo. I don't believe there's any link between him leaving and the Tottenham job being available. No, because he was fired. I'm not convinced it was as as amicable as it was made out. I think he was fired. um, And I think they could have fired him earlier in the season. I think their recruitment's been poor. I think he struggled to adapt the style and change the formation as, as maybe he was asked to. But it's, it's going to be a fascinating appointment. You're going to ask later who we think will struggle next season. Wolves have got to get this appointment right uh, because they've been dreadful and there's no guarantees that Jimenez will come back uh, as quickly and get back to his best as soon as they hope for. I, I think they could be in trouble next season, Wolves. What about Liverpool then? Let's talk about them. They clearly deserve credit for finishing third, Darren. Uh, which is remarkable, bearing in mind that they were eighth in, in, in March, but also not that remarkable, bearing in mind they were top of the table at Christmas. Uh, crazily, though, yesterday, uh, their position was the most secure of all of the teams that were challenging for the Champions League, which was was crazy. It was nuts. I mean, how is it that a week ago they weren't even in the top four and it was all too much for them? And then all of a sudden they were just sitting there, you know, cigar out, feet up, not worrying about it. Go on, Leicester and Chelsea, do your best to implode. All season long, I've been talking to you guys about their character and the fact that they were even in the conversation despite all that had happened. Again, Those of you listening at home, he is wagging his finger. I am wagging my finger because I'm lecturing you boys. You didn't listen. Robbie Fowler's column yesterday was just so good because he outlined all of the problems that they'd had. And he talked about the key thing that they had. You asked me what the secret is. Character. Character in the last... They've lost one of their last 13 matches. That match was against Real Madrid. They went on a run. I think it was six, seven wins from 10. And they were just so good. And the return of fans yesterday, Mane looked a different player. Up front, they had that cutting edge. They were driven on. And I, I honestly, I think it's one of the performances of the season when you consider what had happened to them. You know, you can put in the injuries, you can put in the COVID, the bereavement on a far more serious level. Alisson lost his father. Uh, Jurgen Klopp suffered a bereavement as well. He talked in the papers at the weekend about the impact that it had on him. So many things were just so traumatic for Liverpool on and off the pitch. And yet they managed to retain that focus. I think they did superbly well. And I think you two owed him an apology. Wow. I do think it's been a very difficult campaign. I think it's been a very difficult campaign for everybody. But I do think that, you know, the Alisson story is a particularly tragic one. And... I must admit, I don't think there was many people who watched that West Bromwich Albion goal and then the subsequent interview and weren't touched by it. It was it was a magnificent Premier League moment. And I think it's one that we will cherish, I think, forever. I think we'll always remember that particular moment in Premier League history. Um, I think they've done... I think they'll be pleased that they're in the Champions League next season. I think that they should be disappointed about the way that they've defended their title. But then again, it's been a tough season for everybody. Um, The champions, we've paid tribute to a lot recently, but it is worth giving an airing to the emotion surrounding the departure of Sergio Aguero. Again, the little human touches yesterday as well from Manchester City, I thought were really good, including people connected with the club like John Bell, the son of Colin Bell, uh, to be involved in the trophy presentation. All of those little touches I thought were were very good from Manchester City, who have been the best team by far, despite the fact that they started very poorly. Have they finished the trophy presentation yet? (laughs) 
I mean, no, listen. Such a cynic, aren't you? You're such a cynic. <laughs> in all seriousness. I mean, if Manchester United win the title, you'll be there with a Manchester United shirt on with champions 2029 <laughs> on the back of it. I don't think I'll be coming out of the tunnel at Old Trafford as most of the Manchester City fans seem to be. But no, listen, credit to them. And obviously, you talk about iconic Premier League moments. Arguably the most iconic of all was that Aguero goal that you called against Queen's Park Rangers back in 2012 and fitting that on the the final game of the season, his send-off, he comes on and scores twice. I think he'll be disappointed that he didn't complete the hat-trick, but that, that was a nice way for him to, to bow out, and I think he's a genuine Premier League legend. the penalty area, right footed effort, saved by the goalkeeper, and the rebound is in, and West Ham United lead, and it's Pablo Fornells. This foul goes down towards the byline, pings in the delivery, and it's 2-0, and it's Fornells again, at the double, two for Pablo Fornells. Here's Declan Rice, down the left for West Ham, 2-0 up, Rice surging into the penalty area, might go it alone, Declan Rice, it's 3-0 to West Ham. The skipper with the crown in glory and West Ham's European adventure can begin now, all right. Congratulations to West Ham, who finished in the top six for just the second time in the Premier League era. After their fifth place finished under Harry Redknapp in 98-99, they finished in sixth uh, position because of their victory over Southampton on Sunday. A record number of Premier League points, some great performances. The recruitment's been really good. Soufau, Dawson, Lingard, they made uh, Suchek's move permanent in the summer. Um, but also the improvement of some of the players and the adaptation of some of those players. I'm talking about Cresswell, who, who's played as a third centre-half at times. His set-piece is really important all season. His experience on the left-hand side when he's been moved out to wing-back or full-back, really important. That defence that eventually came good with Ogbonna and Diop at its heart. Um, there's four nails who scored yesterday. They really like him because he works incredibly, incredibly hard. A great team spirit forged behind the scenes with David Moyes telling me on Friday that one of the reasons that they, they seem to, to, to have flourished this year is because what they've done is they can't go out, they can't go for a meal, they can't go paintballing or go bowling or do something that footballers occasionally do for team bonding exercises. But what they have done is that they've kept the players in the training ground and tried to have their fun in the training ground, quizzes, experiences, little games days that they've put on just to try and form a bond between coaching staff and players. Yeah, I mean, listen, you've summed it all up superbly well there. And so I'm not going to add too much more except to say that yesterday, the scenes at the final whistle sum up most of all what Moyes has done because all of us remember the Burnley game where the fans invaded the pitch and picked up corner flags and stormed the director's box. Well, yesterday was a world away from that. Fans applauding the team around, Moyes telling the fans to give credit to the owners and a little bit of a ripple of applause, um, which, you know, previously the club had been toxic but he's got a real unity there and he's provided a really good solid base for them to build and the only other thing I'd say is this in 1998-99 when they finished fifth they were 10 points behind the top four yesterday it was a point was it there were two points off the top four yeah and uh, that was very close indeed but also in 98-99 they ended up selling all their best players they started to decimate the squad afterwards and I don't think they're going to do that this time around they might need to acquire mm. one or two others Jesse Lingard may or may not be someone that they can convince that uh, West Ham is the destination for him but I think it's pretty pretty clear that there's not going to be a whole sale fire sale of their best and brightest talent there's a few murmurings that Marco Arnautovic uh, would fancy a return to London Stadium and I think David Moyes would probably welcome that from what I'm told. I'm not convinced the fans and the owners would. I think they're going to sign Sam Johnston um, from West Brom. Fabianski has been a tremendous servant. We, we saw his value to the team when he was injured last season, but he's 36 now and he, he did make a couple of mistakes that, that, yeah. that could have cost them. So I think Sam Johnston would, would be a decent addition. Yeah, and Johnston, the, the England goalkeeper Johnston, yep. is what you're talking about, because he's going to part, be part of the Euro squad now after Nick Pope's shoulder injury and subsequent surgery. Yeah, so you get a chance to acquire a, an England goalkeeper who's in the last year of his contract at West Brom, so he won't cost the earth. I think that's shrewd recruitment. They do need a striker. I know you raise your eyebrows, Sam, about Arnautovic, but it's asking an awful lot 
of Mikel Antonio to, to carry the fight. I last, last time that they were together, West Ham and Arnautovic. I know a lot of the stories that were going on behind the scenes. It, it, it wasn't a... It wasn't a pleasant experience, and it did have a negative effect. So, it, I mean, unless something's changed significantly, I think it would be a big gamble. Let's move on to uh, Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, Tottenham, what, what happens with them? They finish seventh. Uh, they go into the Conference League with a new manager and no Harry Kane, or with Harry Kane still there and Ryan Mason still in charge. What do we think? Who's going to be in charge? Someone else will be in charge. It won't be Ryan Mason. Um, they need experience they need somebody who's going to inspire the players somebody's going to be able to set up better defensively they hold need... on is it Jose Jose, Jose Mourinho <laughs> oh no no fired him Go on. no I don't think they want the two defensive midfielders in front of the back five like he played against Everton in his final game Oh, I, I must admit, the way they defended this season, they probably need four defensive midfielders in front of the back five. <laughs> well, I've said many times, the big reason for their problems wasn't necessarily either Mourinho or Pochettino. The big reason for their problems was that they wouldn't invest in quality and they left that squad to get sale for too long. I think they may need to sell Kane because that will help them to refinance the team. Either way, it's got to be somebody more experienced and they've got to make a decision on Kane quickly so that that new man can get the time and the resources to rebuild that squad. Yeah, I mean, it needs a complete overhaul. Um, Is that the rain again? Are you you in a biblical storm again? (laughs) Where do you live? Every time we do a a, podcast, there's some sort of like... Do you live in a greenhouse? ...tropical storm. Hold on a second. He's not actually in London at all, are you? You're in some tropical country on the equator. I'll show you. I'll show you. Tell the truth. Tell tell, tell the truth. Where are you? Barbados, St. Lucia, Costa Rica. Come on. Darren Lewis, assistant editor of The Mirror from... Look at that. that. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. 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 It it, it looks... I mean, there's some trees wavering there. I mean, there was a palm tree there. I'm not entirely sure. Sun loungers. I've spotted a sun lounger. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. There's a sign there that says all-inclusive buffet. (laughs) To limit your vision there. (laughs) <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, Tottenham need an all-inclusive buffet, don't they, to get a few new signings? I, I think it needs a complete overhaul. You know, the goalkeeper now is fallible. The, the back four is tired, and you could argue you, you could maybe replace all of those. Kane will leave. Son for me won't be the same player without his mate Gareth Bale. Clearly, is not staying. It's not a very attractive job, is it, <laughs> for any potential managers? Can I be really ridiculous and suggest that um, could they possibly? Could it possibly happen that they might give it to Hugo Lloris? Wow, where did that come from? I heard him talk last night, right? And the way that he was talking was someone who was sort of taking on the responsibility of being the mouthpiece for the club. just felt like that to me. I might be wildly ridiculous. It was just the way he was talking. No, I've got no inside gen there. It was just literally a bloke standing in front of a camera and talking. I just thought... Why are you talking like that? Why are you pretending that you're in charge of the whole thing? If, is it because you've been asked to say this or you... I don't know. If, if, well, if it does end up being him, then Sam is going to look like an absolute genius, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So he thought he'd get it out there early. I mean, <laughs> Just, look, just I, in case. I almost... I also think... I mean, if we're going to think outside the box here, a potential... Um, candidates from left field. Well, we have to think outside the box because the box is empty. <laughs> well, well, indeed. And, and, and the experience that they would covet just isn't there for them. Simone Inzaghi keeps coming up. I don't think that would be one for me. Uh, Gerard is one I've heard in dispatches as well. Not with any real evidence behind it, but just people saying he's established himself as somebody to be respected in the way that he goes about his business given what he's done at Rangers and he would motivate and inspire one or two of the players at Spurs as well. But why would he do that? Why would he do that knowing that if he stays at Rangers, continues to be a relative success at Rangers, that the Liverpool job opens up for him the minute that Jurgen Klopp walks away? You've just answered your own question with the word relative. If he succeeds in Scotland, it would still be relative success because some people's opinions, I'm not... casting any aspersions but some people feel that the Scottish League is a lesser league than the Premier League what's he going to achieve at Tottenham honestly Darren with the resources that are available and without Harry Kane what's he going to achieve at Tottenham I hear you I hear you and I I agree but he he may think 
he may think if he's offered the job that if he were to make a success of it, that more than continued success at Rangers in an inferior league might qualify him, give him the credentials for a bigger club. A lot of people look at Lampard and say perhaps he should have gone to a mid-ranking club on the way up from Derby to Chelsea. Um, and so, I don't know. But we're in an era, aren't we, where there's no such thing as um, sort of doing a good job. You're either doing a brilliant job and you're wonderful or you're rubbish and you should be fired. There's no sort of middle ground where you can sort of go to a mid-ranking club and do okay. Something like go to Tottenham, get them to finish six three years in a row. Ultimately, when you look at the context of the last few years, probably that would be a very good job. That would be well done. You've done exactly what you were supposed to do. But if Steven Gerrard was to do that, everyone would just go, oh, he hasn't really done anything with Spurs. I think the issue with Tottenham is, is perception uh, from their fans who are quite who are quite an expectant group of supporters, even though they've won next to nothing in the last 30 years. And from Daniel Levy, he wants to live a champagne lifestyle on a baby sham budget. So whoever goes in there... <laughs> Whoever, there is a man, by the way, I never, I didn't speaking know you from said, experience. I didn't know you, you, you knew that phrase. That, that, um, that phrase. But, but, but I'm right, I know. Whoever goes in there, Daniel Levy will have certain expectations of what they can achieve, but they won't be mirrored with the financial resources available. I, I think they're going to find it really hard to attract a manager with any kind of calibre. I think it'll probably end up being Scott Parker. Right, let's move on to Arsenal because Arsenal will try and spin their, that their second half of the season show that they're making real progress and they're getting there slowly. Arteta, oh, you'll definitely get it right, which might well be the case. Um, but despite finishing the season with five consecutive league victories, um, Arsenal have finished as low as eighth in consecutive campaigns for the first time since a run of four between 73-74 and 76-77. Those are the facts. You can't deny it. This is the worst Arsenal team since 1977. Yeah, but still only six points off the Champions League in the end. So, By I could... the way, I did say that um, they were the worst uh, Arsenal team in my lifetime halfway through last season, and I was born in 1978. So statistically, I was correct. Oh, are you saying, I told you so again? Come on. That's I'm, not, doing, I'm doing not, the Alex it's, Crook, it's not I a great told trait. you so thing. It's, it's not a great trait. Um <laughs> They're another club. They're one of many clubs who are in need of a rebuild. And actually, we had a good debate on the, on the boot room. Uh, Darren Ambrose, massive Spurs fan. Darren Bent, big Arsenal fan. I said, I don't know what's more embarrassing. The fact that Tottenham are celebrating getting in the Vauxhall Conference League or the fact that Arsenal weren't good enough to get in there. Um, and we had a caller who said they'll still attract players. In fact, with Bente, so we'll still attract players because we're Arsenal. I'm not sure they will. And if you look at someone like Bukayo Saka, if Manchester City slapped in a £50 million bid for Bukayo Saka... Would he want to stay at Arsenal or would he want to go to Manchester City? I think that not only are they going to have a problem in terms of recruiting players, they might have an issue in terms of keeping the ones they've got because it might only be the Europa Conference League, but players want to play in Europe. Yeah, they only finished four, uh, four places above Newcastle, it's worth pointing out. Um, right, OK, uh, there's not much more to talk about with Arsenal. We've done it to death, I think, over the course of the campaign. We'll see what happens in the summer. We've got to talk about some of the other big stories that sort of uh, came up over the course of the season. We'll do that uh, in the uh, final part of the show. But it is our last Premier League podcast of the season. So, shall we have a bit of quiz time, Lucy? Shall we have a bit of quiz time? <laughs> All right, Luz, by the way, I noticed that Darren does this over the course of a, a podcast. After about sort of 45 minutes of us sitting here talking, he starts to pick up his microphone yeah. and rock back in his chair and start sort of doing a bit of the old Lonnie Donegan crooners. <laughs> Is he going to do a mic drop at the end of the, the yeah, podcast? I think he might do. Luz, what you got for us? It's lovely to hear from you. Well, I've, I've done a little quiz for you guys, I have. So we're going to go round. I'm going to give each of you a couple of questions. And this is going to be added on to your scores that I've already taken from the Stats Entertainment. So this is going to be for the overall winner. Oh, OK. And what is, is this it, is, quiz about? Human anatomy. What do you think it's about? It's about the Premier League. Can you dock, it, can you dock him a point for being facetious? I think so. <laughs> what? I think so. Don't, don't try and gang up on me. Don't fall for their tactics, Lucy. They're just obviously scared. Well, it's good to see that you're actually treating Lucy with the respect she deserves mm, today. Very normally true. you're very rude to Lucy and she has to oh, put you in your place. That's not true. Lucy knows that I value her 
Listen, unbelievably. The podcast is available for people to listen to. You do know that, don't you? <laughs> Crack on. Right, I'm going to start with you, Sam. Ooh. Okay, so a 2-0 defeat to Newcastle relegated Fulham who ended the season having set a new record low for home goals scored in the Premier League. Now, can you tell me how many goals Fulham scored this season at Craven Cottage? That's a tough start for 10. <laughs> Eight. Incorrect. Um, I know this. Yeah. Because well, answer I... answer it then. It's nine. Correct. Nine. Oh, I can't believe I was one out. <sighs> Next question. Darren. Continuing with this match, Joe Willock became the youngest player to score in seven consecutive Premier League games and is only the second Newcastle player to do this. Who was the first? She know this as well, and I forgot. <laughs> uh, because I did it before I when he got six, and I remember he was the joint. It's not countdown. We don't need to see you work. Was it Michael Owen? Incorrect. Crook. Well, there's an obvious answer, isn't there? Yeah. I'll go for it. He's my friend. A- Andy Cole. Incorrect. It's Alan Shearer. It is Alan Shearer. Correct, Sam. He threw me off the scent there with that. Yeah, gave you the eyes there. Put it in the bottom corner. <laughs> right, Crook. This is a grammatical question for you now. Oh, God. How do you well, spell... Give us, the points, give us the points straight away. How do you... <laughs> how do you spell Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Spell it for me now, please. No Googling. Look at him looking down. I'm look not Googling it. I'm typing it. Is look this, straight, look okay. straight ahead. P, is this, is, P- is the question, I'm looking at Lucy. I'm looking at Lucy. how do you spell it, Crook? <laughs> P-I-E-R-R-E-M-E-R-I-C-K A-U-B Or a yeah m yeah e y a n g smashed it well done oh well done <laughs> google is spelling b here you come <laughs> <laughs> right sam back to you yeah who received the most yellow cards this season and a bonus point if you can tell me how many i know this did it did it did it is going to be so annoying because I know it and just to let you know Sam I know it too oh. do you? yeah I do oh, it's it's Liam Cooper no it's not oh. Darren I think it's either Conor Gallagher mm-hmm. or John McGinn and I'm going to go for John McGinn Correct. It is John McGinn. Can Darren you tell Lewis. me how many? Yeah, I do know the answer to that because they were both quite close. It's 12. Correct again. We've got a runaway leader. <laughs> oh. See how competitive I got there. Oh right, gosh. Darren, now your question. Newcastle's Ryan Fraser is one of the shortest players in the Premier League, but how tall is he in both feet and inches? Um, five foot six. Incorrect. Crook. Five foot four. Incorrect. <sighs> Sam. He's five foot three. He is. Well done. Five is it, is that bigger than you, Sam, or not? No, that's smaller than me by <laughs> at least six inches. <laughs> Sam, how <laughs> how are you feeding off my questions and getting your answers, but you're not getting your own right? Just because of the lay of the land. She's asked you quite quirky questions, and I'm quite a quirky bloke. No, yeah, I'm quirky. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this this Did you join in as well there? <laughs> she did. She did, yeah. <laughs> right. So this question, it's a free for all, okay? So join in. I've not had a question yet. This is an audio round. Be quiet, Crook. I'm giving you the next question. That's a point away for insolence. I'm, I'm, I'm Any rudeness points to be deducted. Okay. This is an audio round. I will play you a very short clip. It's only two seconds. And just to explain it, okay, so as we know, managers sometimes take a while to get their words out, lots of ers and ahs. So I will play you a segment from a recent press conference and you have to guess who the manager is in a segment I'm going to call Mystery Manage Er. I knew you'd like that, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) You know me very well. Okay, so here's the clip. Um, 
We live. I'll play it once Soul more. Shire. Incorrect, Sam. Um, we live. It did sound like him, in fairness. <laughs> it does a little bit, but it's not... It's, it's not a Premier League manager, yeah? It's a Premier League manager. He's currently managing. Um, we live. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is... Uh, one last time, one last time. Um, we live. I think that is Thomas Tuchel. Correct, Darren. It is Thomas Tuchel. What? <laughs> said anything like Tuchel. Can I just say, Lucy, this is the best game I've played for a long time. It's amazing. Thank How you. did you become the assistant editor of The Mirror again? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> right, now this is the final question and it's going to go to Crook. Okay. Now this is a difficult one. What is your name? And the question is, Pep was appointed as manager of City back in 2016, but how many days in total has he spent in charge of the club? Oh, come on. <laughs> Closest to the answer wins. I can't even be bothered get to work that out. Ki- I get can't. your hands off the keyboard. Get your hands off the keyboard. <laughs> I have to admit, if you had given me that question, I'd have just wept. <laughs> I'm going to say 1,464. Okay. Anyone else want to have a guess? Uh, I will say 1,793. Okay. I'd say 1,912. That was the year the Titanic sank, wasn't it? Is that why that figure came in your head? I have no idea what you're thinking is there, (laughs) (laughs) So the total days Pepper's been in charge, that's to today's date, is 1,788. So you missed so it by I'm, just five days, Sam. I missed it by five days? Yeah, just five that is, days. That is impressive, that, isn't that it? Is that is well impressive. done. That is impressive. A-grade G- GCSE maths right here. Okay. <laughs> so are we all excited now to see who's going to be the winner? The no. Winner? We're more excited about who's going to be the loser. Yes, indeed. So the very bitter, bitter loser of this season is Alex Crook with I, 12 points. I got a yeah. spelling and a maths question. <laughs> I left school a long time ago. There weren't even football questions. You had chances to answer questions from the others as well and you got them and wrong. And failed. In Worst second in place... Class, Alex Crook. <laughs> in second place is Sam with 15 Oh, middle of the road. Quite happy Which means Darren is the overall winner of the season, wins absolutely nothing apart from pride with 19 points, Darren Lewis. <laughs> yeah, but what, well, a, what a fairy tale, though, because he's had injuries, <laughs> he's had all kinds of issues, and he's come back to win it. Amazing. <laughs> and COVID. There was Lucy, COVID. I just want to say, Lucy, this just is for, just brilliant, for brilliant game. I'd like to thank you for your ingenuity, for your patience with these two, <laughs> and for just making this the wonderful competition that it is. No Thank worries. You. Lucy, over the course of the season, I think you've been brilliant, by the way. Well done to you. And I think that we don't, and you're going to have to keep this bit in the podcast because I know you'd probably like to take it out. But we're going to say, well done to you. You've done a very good job. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks, guys. Very patient. And anyone listening, I mean, the work and the hours that goes into, especially Shut when up, I Aaron. start talking, <laughs> <laughs> will know just how good a job she's done. Trust me. I'm feeling quite emotional. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Everton's defeat to Southampton in October ensured that this was the first English top flight campaign since 1967-68, in which no side remained unbeaten through the first six matches. I think that's that sort of tells you a lot about the chaotic start to the season where we had some wild score lines and everyone adapted to what had happened because of the pandemic. No fans, injuries, quick turnaround in terms of last season finishing, next season starting. Um, one of the teams who adapted really well were a team that actually finished last season in the championship, got promoted to the Premier League, Leeds United, who finished above Everton and Leeds total of 59 points was the best tally by a promoted club in the Premier League for the last 20 years since Ipswich Town in 2001 that's pretty damn impressive I think Darren absolutely factor in the uh, 17 goals for Patrick Bamford the most for a player uh, by a player from a promoted club in a top flight campaign since Charlie Austin uh, for QPR in 2014-15. And overall, it's been a highly, highly productive season. You look at the players like Calvin Phillips and Jack Harrison and Luke Hayling, who last year were in the championship, hadn't been household names, but everyone not only knows them, but respects them as well. They've had a brilliant campaign. Yeah, I'd echo those sentiments. And, and we're talking about there being two contenders for manager of the year in, in Pep and David Moyes. I think Bielsa deserves an honourable mention as well. And you're right, they adapted so quickly to the Premier League in such testing circumstances for a lot of teams. They've been a breath of fresh air. But just on Bamford, I think he actually outscored Dominic Calvert-Lewin over the course of the season. Yet everyone thinks Calvert-Lewin is a shoo-in to be Harry Kane's backup understudy striker at the Euros. I think Patrick Bamford's going to be really unlucky if he misses out on that squad. Yeah, well, he hasn't been in an England squad yet, so um, I suppose that goes against him in terms of experience. But I know that Gareth really rates him and has worked with him before in the 21, so knows him. So there could be a surprise call there. And of course, that England squad comes out in the afternoon of Tuesday of this week. So it'd be fascinating to see who is actually in it. Uh, talking of uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, had a great start to the campaign. Everton had a crazy season overall. Wonderful highs and, and a start that generated much optimism amongst their supporters. A 2-0 win at Liverpool, which was their first away win at Anfield in 24 visits in all competition. Um, the first since Kevin Campbell scored in September 1999. Their first win against the Reds anywhere at all in 24 games since October 2010. It was 10 years that they hadn't beaten Liverpool for. But then they finished with nine home defeats. So it turns out it doesn't really matter who you put in charge. There's still a lot of work to do at Goodison Park. I've said many times with with Everton, Ancelotti has got some really brutal surgery to perform on that defence in the summer. He needs another couple of centre-halves. He needs competition for the goalkeeper. He needs a defensive midfielder. He needs someone who's going to create because they don't have enough legs in midfield. They need backup for the goal ki- uh, for the striker. Dominic Calvert-Lewin can't, clearly can't do it all on his own. There is so much that he needs to do. And the interesting thing about this period of poor form for Everton is that he'd held out that they could compete get into the Europa League for a long, long time because he really believed they could do it. And there was one stage, I think in the penultimate game, he got really angry. Now, I can't remember the last time I've seen Ancelotti angry. He's one of the most mild-mannered men in football. The last time that uh, I saw Ancelotti angry was actually when he was sitting in a restaurant and someone said that there was no red wine left, probably because he drank it all, because <laughs> he just loves he, he loves a bit of whining and dining, this Carlo Ancelotti. He, he's a very mild-mannered, happy guy, isn't he? 
Honestly, very, very mild-mannered, but he lost his rag because he it was there for the taking, a place in Europe, and they blew it because their home form was so bad. I think it was one win in their final seven home games, yeah. which was just not good enough. And yesterday against City, listen, they were never going to beat City, but the way they waved the white flag was just embarrassing. I think in the summer, they could be one of the clubs that does the most surgery in terms of transfer business. Bright spots. Ben Godfrey thought he was terrific over the course of the season and a good acquisition. Yeah, and he was versatile as well, wasn't he? Played a lot of the season at right back, which I probably guess is a bit of a reflection on the disjointed nature of the squad. They spent so much money, still got no real pace for me. They need to inject some of that in the summer. Don't get enough balls into Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He plows a very lone foro as that number nine. And James Rodriguez, who I remember our esteemed colleague Adrian Durham in September or October waxing lyrical about this this superstar and how he was the best player in the Premier League. Well, that form quickly deserted him and he reverted to the player that Real Madrid fans came to know and not love so much. Um, Newcastle finished 12th above Wolves, above Palace, above Southampton and above the hipster's choice Brighton. Four points, in fact, above uh, Brighton. Uh, Joe Willock finished uh, the season by scoring in seven consecutive Premier League games. As you have heard... Um, how do you reflect on Newcastle's season overall? Apologies to Steve Bruce, required from a lot of Newcastle supporters. He's probably had more stick over the course of the season than any manager in the Premier League. Ultimately, uh, their campaign can be split into two parts. The Newcastle team who didn't have a fit Alan Samaximam and Callum Wilson and a Newcastle team who did. And when those players were fit, they played well, they scored goals, they picked up results. They finished 17 points clear of the relegation places. I, I do think that Steve Bruce didn't handle the pressure very well, personally. I thought his reaction to the media when he was uh, under the microscope was, uh, was poor. But um, there's no doubting that he's done a very good job, maybe assisted by Graham Jones. And I, I think people point to that quite quite obviously because there was an upturn in fortune once Graham joined the club. But the season ended up a successful one, I think, for Newcastle, Darren. I don't think you can deny that. No, you can't. They, they, <laughs> Crook's done the stats and he's absolutely right to point them out because that's what Bruce will point to when people come at him again. I think... He said yesterday that his critics should eat a bit of humble pie. I think he probably would have been better served not taking a pop at them. I agree. I agree. I just don't think he ever gets that tone right. He, he needs to. He needs to almost sort of try and say, "Ah, it's okay. I understand it. It's football. Whatever. Come into my big tent. We'll all have fun." Yeah, I, I think that you know, star men for him have been Alan San Maximan, Callum Wilson. Um, Goalies did well, but both of them in the end, didn't they? I mean, Darlow did well filling in for Dubravka at the beginning of the season. And he's been so good for Joe Willock. I wonder if Willock might say, look, I'm not going to bother to go back to Arsenal where I'm going to be a bit part player. I'm going to stay here. Do you know Joe Willock, on pre-season a couple of years ago, no less than Zinedine Zidane picked him out as one of the players that had impressed him when Arsenal played Real Madrid. Uh, He is a player with a lot of ability. And sometimes it takes for the foreign clubs who are hoovering up young players, you know, like in, in the German clubs hoovering them up to spot the ability our players have because we get so Star Trek here in this country. Um, Southampton finished in 15th despite their 2-0 win over Newcastle earlier in the season, taking them to the top of a top flight table at the end of a day for the first time since September 16th, 1988. Where did it all go wrong, Crook? In the ballroom, primarily. Um, if any club in the Premier League is in, dan- is, is in dire need of new owners, over the course of the summer, it is them because the lack of investment in the playing squad has has come back to haunt them. And I think it's a dangerous summer. They've already lost Ryan Bertrand, um, who obviously is a very experienced Premier League campaigner. I know Ralph Harden, who's ideally wants a squad made up almost entirely of players around about the mid-20s. But you do need a bit of Premier League experience. I think that's why it's important they tied Theo Walcott down to this two-year contract. Danny Ings' future remains up in the air if they lose him that, that is a massive void to fill. But Ralph Hasenhut will need some money to spend in the transfer market. Otherwise, they are another club who, who could be flirting with relegation next season. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't all just go wrong on the boardroom. It also went rather wrong at Old Trafford the night they lost 9-0 away from home. Um, we uh, said goodbye to uh, Sheffield United, talking about relegation. We said goodbye to Fulham and to West Bromwich Albion and to Sam Allardyce. Uh, well, Sam suffering his first ever relegation 
Uh, but he did go to a club who were quite used to going down. Uh, West Brom now have suffered their fifth relegation from the Premier League, the joint most of any side in the competition, along with, does anybody know? Um, Norwich City. Oh, uh, of course. Who are coming up next year to join us. Yeah, happy Farker again. back in the Premier League. And he wasn't, he, do you know what, he, they were so good this season, he wasn't even a luck, lucky Farker. <laughs> and he was never a grumpy Farker either. <laughs> uh, anyway... Um, who do you fear for next season? Let's probably talk about some of those. Let's. Who do you fear for next season? Because I suppose we should talk about some of those who are coming up and the likes of uh, Norwich City and Watford who went down last year. We won't be getting a full set of returnees because Bournemouth are out of the playoff. It will be Swansea or Brentford in the uh, um, in the Premier League. Someone from one end of the M4. Anyway, um, who do you fear for? I'm going to chuck in Burnley because I think they've circled the drain for long enough and maybe <laughs> they will go down the plug hole to I'd call go with Darren Lewis phrase. <laughs> I'd go with Burnley because I think Sean Dyche might well get tapped up for a bigger job, a better job uh, at a club where they're prepared to invest in the manager. So I'd go with him. Um, Norwich is interesting because I think they'll have learned from last year and they might invest. If they don't, I think the same thing will happen to them. But I think they'll be too smart not to. Brentford, you know, I don't think we can start writing off teams, not after what Sheffield United did last season. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, last season. Uh, because they'd managed to confound so many people. So I'm not going to write them off at all. Hold on. Before we go any further, we, we, we probably better just make sure that everybody is listening right now. Because this time last year, right... There was a bold prediction given by Alex Crook. He said, Sheffield United, we weren't even at the end of the previous season. And he said, Sheffield United are going to go down next season. <laughs> and they did, they did, they did, they did. So well done. So who are you bestowing this honour on this time? Who, whose fans should be most fearful, Crook? Wolves, I think. Mentioned already the departure of Nuno. Some shocking deal into the transfer market that they've lost a bit of their identity. I think they'll probably go down the Portuguese route again. Yeah, I fear for Wolves. Interesting. Um, okay, that's it from us. Thank you very much for being a great part of the Game Day family. To everyone who's listening, we really appreciated all the feedback that we've got uh, online over the course of the last uh, year. Um, Darren's actually been with us for a year now. We've actually formulated this team over the course of the last 12 months. It's been great. Darren, Brilliant to have you along. No, thank, thank you very you for much for coming every week and giving up your time for us. Uh, Crook, thank you very much as well for actually being quite good, really. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and thank you to Lucy as well, who has uh, been a super producer and, you know, fought to be part of this programme every single time we make an addition to Trevor, uh, to Dean, uh, to Danny Mills, uh, to Matt Holland, who have also been involved on a regular basis on this podcast. We thank them as well. Please rate and review and tell your friends about the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. We'll be back very shortly. This feed will be populated all over the summer. Please enjoy yours. And I will leave you with these words. This is the time for lovemaking. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> of 380 between now and the final day of this Premier League season. Welcome back to the show that rarely stops. Game day on Talk Sport just about every day, it seems. And Liverpool have been gifted three points right at the very end of the game against Leeds United. An absolutely captivating, thrilling, breathless 90 minutes, Liverpool 4, Leeds United 3. Tammy Abraham will turn in the equaliser and Chelsea have come from three goals down. West Brom look absolutely distraught. Giovanni Lo Celso has scored for Tottenham Hotspur who lead against Manchester City and are heading to the top of the Premier League. Pep Guardiola's worst ever start to a season. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. All the talk will be about Liverpool and now poor they were another flying shot and another flying goal Mo Salah again the reigning champions are top of the league thanks to this Crystal Palace nil Liverpool 7 Mahrez across the face of goal and Sterling tucks it home that is another majestic goal from Manchester City this is how you go top of the Premier League it's West Brom nil Manchester City 5 Daniel James scores and that 
Kane into Son and it's a brilliant finish. A wonderful Kane-Son combination again. Absolutely delicious. It's an outstanding goal by Mikhail Antonio and the Hammers quest to return to the top four gets off to the best possible start. A sickening, sinking feeling and Sheffield United. West Brom. Fulham are relegated. There's the full-time whistle. It means Manchester City are Premier League champions for the third time in four years. This is the final day of the Premier League. Every moment of panic, every high, every low, every bead of sweat, every tear, every cheer will be right here on TalkSport. Vardy steps up, right-footed. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Brendan's boys are doing their bit and it's Leicester 2, Tottenham 1. El Ghazi has scored and doubled the trouble for Chelsea at Villa Park. It's Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 0. Gareth Bale. Oh, no. Leicester City have thrown away the chance to finish in the top four of English football. Fernandinho lifts it to the skies. Manchester City, for the fifth time, have the Premier League in their grasp. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.